Hi, and welcome to Resurrection Church, where Dr. Joseph G. Matera is the senior pastor and presiding bishop. We are committed to serving our community and the community abroad. We pray that the word you are about to hear will be a blessing to your life and that you allow the Holy Spirit to open your heart and receive what the Lord is speaking to you. It is an honor and a privilege to be here. Uh, as Pastor Byron said, I have known him forever, uh, literally all the way back to junior high. We ended up going on a fine arts trip with the AG Church to Kansas City, um, and it was an interesting experience with Pastor Byron, um, and thank God for redemption through Jesus Christ, right? And so uh, I, I love him, but hey, um, let's give it up for Ted uh, on the worship night, Yeah. And how many of you guys enjoyed Pastor Lance? Like, I literally, I text my wife, and I'm like, honey, he is hysterical, and he's said some things that are a little bold, all right? And so, like, uh, you know, and then uh, Hope, I so enjoyed Hope last night. It is awesome uh, just to see what God is doing in her life. But I believe honor is due um, to Pastor Byron and Ashley uh, for just the sacrifice that they've made and the sacrifice that they've done to see Redemption Church um, over the past five years and what is going to be in the next five years. Can we give it up for them and just honor them as your pastors? So I want to introduce you to my family. Um, as, as Byron said, uh, I'm up in New York. I was from, I grew up in Southeast Texas, but I have officially been in New York more than I lived in Texas, so I can claim a New Yorker now. I also have a little bit of that attitude, which we'll get to in just a few minutes. But this is, this is my family uh, right here, this is us apple picking. So this is my wife, Christy, uh, and if she's watching online, honey, I love you, and I have been wearing my mask the whole time. Um, this is my son, Judah, down here. He's about to be six, and this is our baby girl, and she has stolen my heart, uh, Allison Grace, and she is about to be three, going on 13. Um, very sassy. It's like, hey, Allie, what? Like, you want to go? No. And so that is like, that is, that is her. Um, but man, I'm excited about today and I believe God is going to do something uh, very powerful. And uh, so let's, uh, if you have your scripture, I want to invite you to turn to Acts chapter 16. Uh, I want to read something out of Philippians chapter one, though, as you're turning. Paul writes to the church in Philippi and he says, I thank my God in all my remembrance for you, always in every prayer of mine, for you are making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Redemption, you guys have been partnering with the gospel, with the mission of Jesus Christ for the past five years, and I just wanna say thank you. It has been incredible to see what God has done through you and what he's going to continue to do. But in verse six, he says, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And so I'm here to tell you, God is not done with Redemption Church. God is just getting started with Redemption Church. And I can't wait to see what it looks like five years from now, 10 years from now, 40 years from now, until Christ comes back, let his name be lifted high. And so I, I'm, just, I'm just pumped. Will you guys join me in praying today? Father, I thank you. Uh, God, I thank you for redemption and, and the whole team here. God, I thank you for what you're doing in Beaumont, Texas, Lord. I just ask that you would just continue to let there be a gospel-centered movement take place in this city, Father. Uh, God, as we dive in your word today, I ask that 
uh, your gospel would be lifted high, that I would move out of your way, that it wouldn't be my words that are being said, but it would be your words. And so, God, I surrender myself as your vessel this morning. And, Father, let your will be done in Jesus' name. And everybody says? Amen. 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 How many of you guys like flying? Some, some of y'all like flying. I love to fly, all right? I love to fly. Um, I believe that there's a godly airlines and there's a demonic airlines. I'm gonna get to that and just, some of y'all are like, yeah, yeah, the demonic is Southwest. I'm just gonna go in and say it, all right? Um, so some of y'all Southwest, like you, you lovers out there. Here is my experience with Southwest. Half my family, we're going to Marco Island in Florida. And it's like, oh, I got tickets for $39. This is great, you know? Um, and so we get in Southwest and literally like we're walking in with young kids, might I add, we're walking in and they're like, can you just go take your seats? And I'm like, woman, like, you know, um, but no, seriously, can you go take, we got it. It's a full flight. Just grab a seat. And it was at that moment, I felt like I was being, um, um, corralled like a bunch of cattle trying to get on this plane that I was like, you know what? I am switching airlines from a demonic airline to a godly airline, and so I am a loyal fan and member and believer in Delta Airlines. Can I get an amen? Someone's clapping back there. I love Delta. I love Delta. So much so that I have not one, not two, but three Delta credit cards, all right, and the debt to prove it, too. All right, I'm just throwing it out there, but like, like I've, I've got the, I, I have the Reserve Sky Miles Delta card with an annual fee of $550 a year. That's how much I love Delta. But what I've learned with Delta is as you spend money and you go in debt, especially around Christmas time, you start racking up points. And as you fly, uh, you start racking up Sky Miles. Sky Michaels, wow. Sky Miles. And there's this thing called status that you hit. And, and I'm pretty much hitting status every year uh, right now, and thankfully they extended it because of COVID-19, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. Um, but they extended it, and so my, my flights have gone from like sitting in the back and like buying the basic economy to, um, Mr. Moore, you've been upgraded to uh, first class. And so my trip down here, don't hate, it was in first class. Y'all didn't pay for it, Delta did, okay? Uh, and then my flight tomorrow morning, First class, and so that is why I love Delta, plus their standard of cleanliness and all that stuff. So if you're a Southwest fan, we're gonna pray for your deliverance today, and, um, and then you, know, you can talk to Pastor Byron afterwards. Just convert, oh, it's like coming to Jesus once you cross over the other side. But you've got the good seats, and you've got the bad seats. And, and I don't know about you guys, but in the back, there's usually three seats. You have this seat over here, which isn't so bad, and all of like your hipster people, and you're really big on Instagram, you're, you're sitting there, and um, you know, you're like, oh, this is nice, you got the window right here, and you pull out your phone, and it's like, it's like, posted on Instagram, God's creation, hashtag blessed, and so, and it's like, oh, it's so good, and then you got, this is my favorite seat, you got the aisle seats, like, I, I don't care where I'm sitting on the plane, I want this seat right here, and, and here's why, I kid you not, um, I have a bladder issue, and so I get this fear in my mind because whenever you start taxiing, you leave the gate, and then you're, you know, you're waiting 20 minutes to go a quarter of a mile so that you can actually take off, and then you got to wait till you hit 10,000 feet. Like I'm, I want, I want it to be that as soon as you hear, ding, and the seatbelt sign goes off, I can go. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to go to the throne room right now. You know. Um, <laughs> 
and, and so this is, this is my favorite seat. So you've got the hipster lovers over here, God's creation, hashtag blessed. you got the bladder issues people, me, over here. Um, I'm getting real personal today, sorry. <laughs> and, um, that, you know, this is where we sit. And then you have the seat in the middle. And this isn't even really a seat, because if you got this seat, you probably bought an, a basic economy fair, and you're sitting there, you're praying that you're not sitting in between two people that are, you know, they've got their, their juices coming out from being all sweaty and stuff, and you don't even get armrests. Like, you think you have armrests, but the armrests are for them over here. And so, hipster person over here is enjoying hashtag blessed, bladder person over here is enjoying it, and they're all stretched out in the aisle and stuff, and then this is you. It's like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? I think oftentimes our faith is like this. Our faith is like this, where we start in one area, we know where we are going, but we're stuck in the middle. And if you're taking notes today, the title of my message is Boldness in the Middle. And I believe Redemption Church right now is in the middle of what was and where God is bringing you guys. And it is our response in the middle that is gonna end up producing what God wants to do. You notice whenever you, you face opposition or you face challenges as an individual or as a church, you, you get put in those moments. It's that pressing moment. It's, it's where you feel like everything is coming against you. And it's in those moments that you find out what you're made of. Or maybe I should put it, you find out what God has done and who he is made of. It's in those moments in the middle that you get the revelation of the grace of God and the love of God that gives you the courage and the strength to keep going. It's in those pressing moments that God gets more done in and through you than whenever you're on the other side. And so Paul and Silas and Timothy, they're hanging out in Acts, and, and they're going out on Paul's missionary journey, and, and he's going around and he's preaching the gospel, and Paul and Silas are about to face a middle moment. And, and so it starts in verse 9 in chapter 16 of Acts Dr. Luke, he, he writes this and he says, a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man in Macedonia was standing there, urging him saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. I remember whenever Pastor Byron called me and he said, hey, um, actually I think we had a conversation and, and, and he's like, hey, God is sending us to Beaumont and I believe he's calling us to plant a church in Beaumont. And I was like, Byron, you've seen how hard it was in New York. And brother, it was hard in New York. I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there. But I was like, are you sure you want to do this? Like, are you still saved? You know, like, is, G like, is Jesus, he's like, no, this is what God's calling me and Ashley to do. God gave him a vision six, seven years ago to plant a life-giving church in Beaumont, Texas. He gave him a, a vision that redemption, this church, and he didn't even know what it was, would exist to see a gospel-centered movement in the heart of the city where every experiences life change. That vision, that vision is what God gave him. And so he started here, and the vision is what will be. And right now, you guys are in between. You are in the middle of what was and what God is going to do. 
Jump with me down to verse 13. You see Paul gets this vision from God, and in obedience, he ends up saying, all right, let's go. Silas, Timothy, like, let's, we're, we're going to do it. And in verse 13, you see that they've gone to Macedonia. They're now in Philippi. And it says, on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gates to the riverside where we supposed that there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and we spoke to the women who had come together. I, I think that this is interesting because they were doing something that they would do every day. They were doing something that was common and routine for them. I, I think oftentimes in our life, we kind of get annoyed with our daily habits, but there is boldness in your daily disciplines because it will create supernatural opportunities. And so Paul and Silas, they're like, you know, hey, it's early morning hours. We're going to go up to the hillside. We're going to go pray. And they ended up going up there. And when they started praying, they noticed that there was a group of women that had gone searching for God, searching for a creator who were there to be able to pray as well. Verse 14 says, one who heard, uh, uh, one who heard us was a woman named Lydia who was from the city of, of come on, help me out. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, that city. <laughs> For everyone watching online, you just missed a holy moment right here. <laughs> that was, <laughs> yeah, Siri, we don't understand either. <laughs> so Lydia, Lydia's from this city that we don't understand, and she is a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what Paul had said. I want you to think about this in your, your daily habits, your daily spiritual habits of prayer and worship and scripture and diving in, of going to go out to eat. And, you know, it's kind of awkward now, at least in New York, where people don't pray before you eat food, or people don't even have conversations about Jesus and about life change. People, people aren't experiencing that. And you practicing in boldness your daily habits could put you in an environment where God ends up softening the hearts of men and women around you for him to do something supernatural. And I believe that God wants to do this. And, and here's the thing, it doesn't have to be weird, right? I, I live in New York, and so I see the bullhorn preachers. And I see the bullhorn preachers, and they, I'm not gonna stand up on that chair, but I don't know if it'll hold me. And, and, but they get on there like, repent, the end is coming, the Antichrist is here, this is, you know, and you're just sitting there just like, oh, dude, dude, like, come on. And you try to go up and talk to them and, like, try to convert them back to Jesus because they've gone AWOL and stuff. Um, but, like, I've seen those people that, that they do this. And can I just say, you can share your faith and you don't have to be weird about it. You, like you, and, and here's how. You can start a conversation with your barista. You can find light ground. You can enter into that conversation, and then you can take the invite card that you have on your chair right now, and you can say, hey, I would love for you to come to the 11 a.m. service next week at Redemption Church. My pastor, Pastor Byron, he's a crazy dude, and he always wears black. Um, I think that you'll like him. I think that you'll like him. And he's into hardcore music, right? I don't know if you're into hardcore music, but, but like, we can share our faith and not be weird about it. And God can create supernatural opportunities for him to do something that you can't do, but he wants to use you as a vessel through your bold disciplines, your bold daily disciplines. Eugene Peterson says, discipleship is long obedience in the same direction. And I know for many of us, it feels like 
we just can't get unstuck. We just feel like we're in the middle. Man, it is waking up every day and saying, I'm gonna choose to serve the Lord. I'm gonna choose to spend time in scripture. I'm gonna choose to pray. You're driving to your work and say, God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put on Hillsong or Bethel and I'm just gonna worship you. Even though people are cutting me off, you are still good. It is those daily disciplines that create a habit and through those bold habits, God can do something supernatural with you. Verse 15, and after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed among us. This was the start of the church in Philippi. This was the start of what God was about to do in Philippi of a gospel-centered movement that would take place. And Lydia, who was very wealthy, probably had a lot of influence. God used her because of Paul and Silas's bold daily habits. I, I think about, there's this friend of mine, Matthew in New York, and, and we went to Hollywood Cafe, which is a, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a cafe slash restaurant, not like you guys know. Um, and they've got this gorgeous backyard patio uh, thing out. And so we're like going out there and we sit down and we start talking about Jesus. We start talking, like they bring our food and, and we pray and, and we start having this conversation about Jesus and he's sharing, man, this is what I'm going through and this is what's happening. What do you think about, about this theologically? And I'm like, I, you know, I think that that's awesome and let's dive into that. And we start having this hour and a half, two hour dialogue. Meanwhile, there's this other guy that's at the very, very back and I'm, I'm pretty sure he was back there smoking pot because that's what people do in New York. Um, and, and sitting back there and he was just like, Token is saying, and, and he gets up and he starts walking towards us and he goes, hey, I, this is weird. I've been listening to your conversation. Y'all are talking about Jesus. It's like, yeah, yeah, he's a, he's a pretty, pretty cool guy. Yeah. Who talks about Jesus? Like, I have never heard anyone talk about Jesus the way that you guys are. And like, and what happened was us doing our daily habits, us being in community with one another and us experiencing what Jesus has done and sharing our testimony with each other created an opportunity for us to be able to witness to this guy and to be bold with what Christ was doing in us. Did he come to Jesus? No, but it was a seed that was planted and who knows what God is gonna end up doing outside of that. Church, it is your daily habits. It's your daily habits, being bold in your daily habits and taking that. It continues on in verse 16. So Lydia gets saved and it says, as they were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had the spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us crying out, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to you the way of salvation, which is truth. They were servants of the Most High God who were proclaiming the way of salvation. But how many of you know that there are two spirits at work right now? There's the spirit of righteousness and holiness, the spirit of light, the spirit of redemption, Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit, and then there's the spirit of darkness and destruction that is coming to steal, kill, and destroy the plan of God over your life. Right now, there is a spiritual battle taking place over Redemption Church for what God is wanting to do in you and through you. And I think oftentimes one of two things happen. One, we over-spiritualize it. It's like, I see angels and I see demons and, and you know, it's like, you get all this mystical stuff. And then there's other people and they're like, that isn't real. That's just not, like, I don't see it, you know. And I believe it's a little bit of a combination of both. 
that there is something that is taking place. There is a spiritual war that is happening over Beaumont, Texas for the salvation of men and women and children who are out there. Now, in verse 18, this is this one of my favorite verses because it gives me a little bit of freedom, and I hope that it's going to give you freedom as well today. In verse 18, it says, And this she kept doing for many days, Paul, having become greatly annoyed. Can we just say amen to that? Like, I, and maybe this is a New York thing, but like, I don't know about you guys, but I get annoyed real easy. Like, I, I, I kid you, traffic. I don't, y'all don't know a whole lot about traffic, all right? We have traffic problems in New York. And, and I'm not talking about like, you know, there's this little minor issue. I'm talking about you're crossing over the Brooklyn Bridge and you're sitting there and just like stop and go and stop and go. And then some idiot cuts in front of you and you just want to tell them that they're number one. Like, and, and you, you know, you're getting so frustrated and so annoyed. And, and or I think in 787, and, you know, since COVID, it's gotten a lot better, thank God, because everyone stays home because we're in lockdown. But, um, but like leaving the office, like it would sometimes take me 45 minutes to go two or three miles to my house. And, and so I, I get annoyed. I get really annoyed. And, and, and I've had to learn, like, instead of cursing people that cut me off, I need to bless them in the name of Jesus, right? And so someone cuts me off, and I'm like, how dare you? God bless you in the name of Jesus. I pray favor upon you, you know. Um, and it normally doesn't happen like that. Some, someone, someone on our staff, uh, they, they, they went with me down to Brooklyn, and um, I started yelling. I think I was crossing the George Washington Bridge, and I just started yelling and screaming, and they're like, Mike, I know you talk about road rage. Dude, you need some deliverance. I'm like, I'm like, Yes, I do. Yes, I, yes, I do. So I'm working on it. Progressive sanctification. Progressive sanctification. So Paul gets annoyed. And he gets annoyed because this spirit is speaking truth, but it's speaking truth to cause confusion in the city of Philippi. And Paul is there for one reason, to build relationships, people, so that they can experience life change through Jesus Christ. And this spirit is coming out and saying, Hear me! Most High God, they're servants of the Most High God, and Paul's like, "Will you just shut up already? I'm just trying to have a latte and share my testimony about what Jesus has done." Here's here's these men, prophets of the Most High God, servants of the Most High God, and so Paul, getting annoyed, and this is what I love, he turns around and he says to the Spirit, "I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her," and it came out that very hour. How many of you guys know that there's authority? and power in the name of Jesus Christ and that demons flee whenever we pronounce and we declare and we herald the name of Jesus Christ and that is why I love this church because for five years you guys have been heralding the name of Jesus Christ and demons are fleeing and there's opposition that might be coming there are challenges and things that you might be facing but Jesus is being magnified Jesus is being glorified and as long as he is being lifted up the demons are going to be fleeing I, um, I, I, anyone play Modern Warfare here? So some of you guys, like, all right, Xbox, anyone got an Xbox? Some of y'all, all right, okay, a few of you guys, the rest we're going to pray for. Um, I, I have, this is a bad habit. Because of COVID, I had nothing to do, and so it's like 11 o'clock at night, I'm just playing Modern Warfare, and now I'm, like, hooked in, and I play probably more than I should. Um, but anyways, if you want to follow me, it's Mike Moore ALB86. Uh, that's my gamer tag. 
And you can join, and we can, we, can go, um, we can go to Verdansk, and, you know, if you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. Anyways, so um, we have this guy in our church, Josh, and I love Josh, and he's a streamer, and he's, he's kind of growing on Twitch and stuff, and so occasionally I'll jump on and I'll stream with him, and, like, we're playing and stuff. And, and then every now and then one of his friends who doesn't know me will jump on to the game and, and into the stream, and... Uh, <laughs> And, you know, you start hearing every four-letter word come out of their mouth. And, and then they're like, well, who's this Mike Moore ALB 86 guy? And Josh goes, oh, that's my pastor. That's Pastor Mike. And, and then the conversation is like, oh, like, like I'm just like, Josh, can you not lead off with that? I want to get to know this dude over here. Or, or another example is there's this place called Lionheart, another food establishment in, in Albany. Um, and I, I was out there and um, sitting on the patio and just having a conversation, struck up this conversation with, with these two guys. One of them works for the assembly uh, in politics in Albany, and the other person was like in college and stuff. And, and uh, the conversation somehow shifted to religion and, and, and Christianity and Islam. And, 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 you know, their thought process was all religions end up pointing to the universe, right? And, and so we get in this deep conversation, and, and then the question comes up, so what do you do? And I'm like, I, you know, I'm, I hang out, I do a lot of stuff. <laughs> do a lot of stuff. And so having this conversation, I'm trying to get deep with this person, and then another Josh from our church shows up, and he's like, Pastor Mike, it's so good to see you. And I'm just like, hey, Josh. And meanwhile, these two dudes, they're like, oh, you're a pastor, I'm going to over here and and I'm like that's what's happening right here Paul is trying to build relationships with people so that he can share his testimony so that he can be bold in his daily habits and through his boldness there ends up coming an opportunity for salvation and this woman is over here yelling and screaming and and just throwing things not literally but at least throwing her words and using truth to cause division in Philippi and to hinder the gospel from going forth. And so Paul gets annoyed. He turns around and he tells her to stop. But what happens next? And, and, and what happens next, this is important to understand. Whenever you have your bold habits, they are often followed by strong opposition. Your bold habits, if God has given you a vision, Redemption Church, God has given you a vision and you're pursuing that vision, you're pursuing a new building, there's going to be strong opposition that you're gonna end up facing. And, and what happens next in, in verse 19, it says, but when the owners saw that their hope of gain was lost, they seized Paul and Silas, they dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had, had brought the, then they had brought the magistrates and they said, these men are Jews and they are disturbing our city. They um, advocate customs that are not lawful to us as Romans to accept as our practice. Every major move of God has been faced with strong opposition. Every major move of God where you start here and you're praying for revival, you're crying out for God to do something, and then you, you start to step out in obedience, and you start to do what God has called you to do. Paul and Silas have this vision. They go in obedience to Philippi. They start preaching the gospel, building relationships. People are getting saved, and here they are being obedient to God, and they find themselves in the middle of what was and what will be. They find themselves in the middle of, of what could be 
and they're being crushed for being obedient to God. They're being crushed, and, and, and it, it goes on, and, and let me just read verses 22 through 24. It says, the crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore their garments off and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. So God, I've been obedient to you. I'm doing the will of the Lord, and I'm going to get beaten. I'm going to get dragged into the courts or into the town square. These, these men and women are going to come and start beating me with sticks. You're going to strip us naked, and then we're going to be locked into the inner cell of the prison? Like, God, this wasn't, this wasn't my plan. This wasn't your plan. Like, are you, really, are you really doing that to us? But it's in that moment, it's in the middle that God is about to set them up for a miracle. It is in that moment that God is about to use their testimony of what God has done and is going to do to do something powerful. There are people that are in this room and there are people that are watching online right now that you feel like you're in the middle. You feel like you've got the call about cancer in your family. You've gotten the call about someone who just passed away. You walked into work and you're experiencing financial loss because your boss had to lay you off and you're stuck in the middle and you aren't sure what's going on. What's your response going to be? What's your response going to be? I'm going to be very transparent with you guys. Byron asked me to come up here and, and preach and um, I was like, yeah, I, I love you and, and I love redemption and life was going great for me. Life was going very great. And, and so COVID-19 hits and we experienced a lockdown and then another lockdown and then another lockdown and I, we're still kind of in a lockdown. Like we can go out to eat, but you really can't go out to eat. You can only be there for a certain amount of time. And, and, and like, I don't know how it is here. It's like tables have got plexiglass all around you and uh, it's it's weird. It's weird. And I know Texas isn't like that because y'all are the greatest country in the world. And so, um, <laughs> Texas love. Texas love, right? But uh, that's why I've been wearing a mask all weekend because I don't want to go home and test positive, not saying that y'all have COVID, um, but someone on the plane may have COVID. And so, um, but like, God started doing some really cool things. And around the fall of this year, Things that I have been praying for for years start to take place. Like our church expanded from one campus to three campuses in the middle of a pandemic. I, I got brought on to the team at the 95 Network, which is a church consultant group. And like stuff, I've been praying for that for years and I didn't have to pursue it. It just happened. Um, oh, we went into contract for a building in the middle of the pandemic. Yeah. And so... Which, which it, buildings in, in New York are not like buildings in Texas. We don't have a lot of land. It's just kind of all together. And, and our building is 100 years old, and we get to renovate it and stuff like that. And so a lot of great things have been going on. And, and then I'm moving in with Rez, and I start pastoring down there. And the first three or four weeks, I'm just like, man, God is so good. I'm talking to my wife like, Things are great. The church is gaining momentum. And, you know, we saw 33% of our pre-COVID attendance, which is huge for us in New York. Like, people are being changed and lives are being changed and stuff. And then I started to sit 
in the middle. Sorry to sit in the middle. Dealt with a major staffing issue down in Brooklyn. Two people transitioned out, ended up affecting 20 or 30 people in the church. Emotionally exhausting. And so I literally kid you not, I get on the train, headed back from Brooklyn to Albany, and just dealt with, was in meetings until 10 o'clock at night, just got done, and then the next morning I'm on the train, and I open up Facebook, because Facebook is of the devil, and I see Governor, yeah, come on, come on somebody. <laughs> I see Governor Cuomo just announces that the Washington Armory is gonna be used as a FEMA vaccination site. And I'm like, now if y'all don't know this, we meet at the Washington Armory. And so I'm like, what, what? And then I get a call from the general manager and he's like, yeah, dude, I didn't even know. He just announced this from the, the press conference. And so I'm like, are you kidding me right now? And so I'm like, all right, we're gonna work this out. And originally we were gonna coexist. They wouldn't vaccinate on Sundays and we were gonna have church and things were gonna be great. And we were like, this is, we're gonna be able to change 70,000 lives. Like just this charge the mountain type moment. Um, and so I sit down with FEMA and FEMA's like, hey, we need to, we need to help you guys out and compensate you because of, because of the challenges that you're going through. Oh, and by the way, you can't meet. I'm like, what do you mean we can't meet? He's like, yeah, you can't meet for eight weeks, plus we need a weekend to set up and we may need a weekend to tear down. So we're gonna say nine, but it may be 10 weeks. And I'm like, bro, Easter's coming. We shut down last year for you guys. And so he's like, look, I, just send me what you can. And so I sent him this long email and like, can you help us out? And, and, and then the next thing I know, I get a call from the governor's office and the governor's office, we start talking back and forth. And I'm like, man, you're really putting us in this situation. And, and, he's, and you know, then they pass me off to somebody else in the governor's office. And, and so I've got all these meetings and days going on. And on Monday of this past week, pumped up to come down to redemption, pumped up to inspire you guys. I get a call from the governor's office. Said, hey, I just wanna let you know that um, we're not gonna do anything for the church. You guys are kinda on your own. <laughs> I'm like, Sam, what are you talking about? It's like, yeah, FEMA's not wanting to do anything. And so it, it's up to you guys. And I was like, I took it, hung up the phone. And I was like, okay, God, okay. 15 minutes later, I get a call from our realtor. And we are literally like two months from closing on this building like almost at the end, we have an additional 75,000 to raise. Like I'm, I'm like, all right, we're not gonna have church. We've got to raise this money. Um, I get a call and he said, hey, Mike, I wanted to let you know the seller of the building is refusing to pay for the asbestos removal. And in New York state, you can't buy another building if there's asbestos, like you can't even close on it. So it's gonna be an additional $40,000 that the church has to come up with. And I sat there, just crushed on Monday, dealing with staffing issues, FEMA coming in, churches shutting down again. Our church met today in house churches. And, and, and then on top of that, like now we have this issue with the asbestos that we can't work out. We have to turn in all of our paperwork by March 11th. Are you kidding me? And I'm supposed to come down to redemption and to inspire people and to you know help them to be bold in their faith? Bold habits create opposition, strong opposition. And this past week, I'm sitting there Wednesday, 
And I'm reading this text, and, and literally it says, it says, the crowd joining in attacking them, the magistrates tore off their garments. Now my garments were not tore off, but I literally said, I literally said to God, I said, I feel like I just keep getting blows to me. I just, I'm on the ground and Satan is just coming and kicking me and kicking me and kicking me. And I start reading this on Wednesday, preparing for, for this message right here, sitting in the middle. And God says, hey, Michael, this message is for you. How are you going to respond? How are you going to respond? And so I sit there and I start crying and I start going through this. And Wednesday afternoon, midday, I said, you know what, God? I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. I don't have the answers. All of this is out of my control. But my reaction to the pressure from both sides of having to lead this congregation, of dealing with the government, of dealing with this seller, of dealing with all of these attacks, of dealing with COVID lockdown restrictions, of having to wear a mask, of all that, I'm gonna trust you. I'm frustrated, I'm annoyed. I'm annoyed like Paul. And so it continues on. About midnight, about midnight, some of you guys are in a midnight hour right now and you feel like everything is just coming in around you. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. You know what's interesting about midnight is that in every midnight, there's a captive audience that's listening. And so I'm reading this, I'm studying this. I'm like, God, I'm supposed to go to Texas and give them hope and I'm in hell right now. Like I'm in my midnight hour and I'm angry. I'm angry, God. Michael, what's your response? What's your response? And I said at that moment, God, I'm gonna choose to worship you. We can't meet for church, you're gonna get glory. We may lose a building, you're gonna get glory. I'm dealing with other issues right now, you're gonna get glory. As for me and my house, as for me and our church, we are gonna serve the Lord and you are gonna get glory. And I don't care what happens, Satan may be coming at us, God is gonna get glory. And so here's, here's what happened, I'm on the plane, I'm flying down in first class, y'all didn't pay for it, upgrade. As I'm saying, I'm sitting in my seat, I'm enjoying life and I'm reading and I'm praying and God is just speaking to me. And I get this message. I get this message from Jen, who's our business administrator. She says, every month we take our extra tithe, meaning whatever's come in, we, we pay our missionaries and the different organizations and whatever's left, we just give it away to an organization. And it was like, okay, and so, um, I get this message from Jen and she said, hey, we have about $1,000 left over that we haven't given away. What do you wanna do? And then she goes, should we just sew it into Byron's church for their Be Bold campaign? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And so City Church deposited $1,000 into your church for the building campaign. But this weekend, it doesn't stop there. This weekend, my faith has been inspired so much. See, I thought I was coming down here to minister, but I was coming down here to encounter a living God who wants to minister to me. And so, 
My faith has been inspired to see you guys worship, to see you pray, to see the boldness that God is depositing in you. And I, I get on a message with some of my staff yesterday, and I message Jen, and Jen's husband is Jim, who's one of our elders. And I said, hey, we can't stop at 1,000. What can we do? I'm thinking we give a total of $5,000 to Redemption Church. And so Redemption Church, our church is gonna be sowing an additional $4,000 because my response in the middle is not to let defeat come, but to worship, to be sacrificial, and to walk in obedience. And then suddenly, there is a great earthquake. And the foundation of the prison was shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. I love that. I love that right there. Because of their worship, freedom came to other people. Because of their worship, in the middle, people were able to experience life change through Jesus. And that's exactly what you see jumping down into verse 30 and 31. The jailer, the jailer, this PBR drinking middle-class dude whose allegiance is to the military and to serve his country is about to kill himself because he thinks that he just messed up and all these prisoners got free. And so he runs in there and Paul yells out, yo, 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 don't kill yourself. We're still here. He falls to his knees and he says, what must I do to be saved? And Paul says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what? This jailer was saved and his whole family was baptized and the church in Philippi ended up starting. And so when we read in Philippians chapter one, verses six, that says, he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. Paul is writing to the jailer who almost killed himself. Paul is writing to the slave girl who was demonically possessed. Paul is writing to Lydia, who is the seller of purple goods and a fashion model. And that is what God uses. But I wonder, did Paul know? Did Paul know? Church, your present day obedience is gonna dictate your future blessing. Your present day obedience is gonna, and, and so that's, that's what Pastor Byron and Ashley were. God, this is what you've told us to do. We're gonna, we're gonna be obedient. We're gonna step out. We're gonna step out. We're gonna plant Redemption Church. Help! Help, God, what are you doing? God, we're gonna buy a building. This is where we're going. We're gonna buy a building. We're gonna see life change through Jesus. This place is gonna be packed. People are gonna be baptized. All sorts of crazy stuff's gonna be happening for the glory of God. We're in the middle. Some of you are in that middle right now. Some of you are sitting there in that middle and God's question to you today is, what's your response in the middle? Are you gonna be bold? Are you gonna be bold? See, I, I, could, I could just imagine Paul and Silas, their feet are in stocks, it's a dark room, it probably smells of mildew down there. Um, and Paul leans over to Silas and he's like, hey, let's sing. Let's sing. Amen. We pray that you were blessed by this word. For more information about our church, please visit our website at resurrectionchurchofny.com or give us a call at 718-436-0242 and be sure to follow us on Instagram at reschurchnyc. Take care and God bless.